0: Well, good morning everyone, Uh, so glad to be here with you this morning. I'm Mike Rutledge, I'm the director of arts here at K2. And before we talk about any of what just happened there, uh, I have to answer one question that's on many of your brains that you will not be able to engage until you know, and the answer is uranium, okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it, it's going to be fine, but you may need that in 10 minutes when you go, oh, that's what he means, okay? Uh, So, I I do want to say that I'm I'm really excited about being here with you this morning and uh, sharing uh, with you. And as you watch this video, there are plenty of opinions uh, on the right way to parent. Those were some opinions. Um, And by the way, uh, I've talked to both the Yorks and uh, the Greens, and they have offered, if you're going out of town, you need someone to watch your kids. (laughs) Uh, you'll get your kids back. They'll be changed, all fixed and, and perfect. We're, we're, uh, we're in a series called Life, a Surprising Adventure. Two weeks ago, Dave Nelson uh, talked about um, your search for significance and how important it is for us to uh, find our significance in God and who He is and, and, and what He makes us rather than our personal performances and things like that. Last week, uh, we, uh, Dave, talked uh, about the mystery of marriage, looking at the biblical model of what marriage should look like in our lives and how we, sort of we flipped the script on that. Uh, and uh, we probably could have called that Search for Your Significant Other. Um, clever joke right there. And then um, this week, uh, I'm talking about the impossibilities of parenting. Now, I was just talking to my wife in the hall, and she, you know, one of the things she like, says is like, well, be sure that you tell people... We're talking about the tough stuff. Like, you could t- we, I could talk all day about the great stuff that happens in our family and how much joy there is in parenting and all the great stuff. Today, though, I want to be focusing on some of the areas that are tough if you're a parent. And even just saying that, I just want just, to um, I, I, I just acknowledge that one of the difficulties for me in preparing this message is understanding the vast backgrounds from which all of you come from. You know, I, I grew up in a, a pretty good family. You know, we had our own dysfunctions, but overall we were pretty, I, I had a solid family. And, um, but I know that that's not the case for when you hear that opening song, the more I see my dad and me. Some of you, that's a, that's a horrible thought. Or your, to see your mom and some of the things you've experienced, horrible uh, things. And for some of you, you had great parenting experiences. So I, I just want to understand, or I want you to understand that I believe no matter where you're coming from in terms of what your past parenting experience from your parents was, I still believe God wants to speak to you today. And it can be very easy if you've come from a tough place to check out at this moment. And I, I think God is not wanting you to do that. So uh, just hang with us this morning. Um, and so. That's what we're going to be talking about. And it's funny, though, I, I started thinking uh, back. I'm like, Dave said, you know, hey, Mike, I'm going to have you talk on parenting. I'm like, man, I feel like I just talked on it. So I look back a year ago. Last March, I talked on parenting. And uh, I can only think of three scenarios why I'm back a year later talking on parenting. One is that uh, clearly I am the parenting guru at K2. And uh, it was so smashingly successful that by I'm back by return demand, right? That's the one I choose to believe. Thank you. Yeah, let's pray and call it a day. Wow. <laughs> uh, the second scenario, though, is that it was so horrible that the staff was like, let's give Rutledge a chance to rectify the bad, if not heretical, teaching. You know, that Some of you are going, that's clearly what it was. So you may choose to believe that one. The third scenario is that, quite frankly, it doesn't matter who's speaking, because you guys are not getting it. So they're just like, Get, let, who cares who talks? No one's paying attention. No one's, it's, and that's the one that your friends believe when they look at you with your kids. They're like, okay, <laughs> clearly they're not getting it. So uh, but at least that's what I came up with in terms of the scenarios. And so what I did is, as soon as I found out I was talking to this, I'm like, well, i got to see what, what, is, what does the Internet say about parenting, right? And so you saw the Greens and the Orcs talk about parenting. I want to look at some physical images of parenting. T- check, check this out. That That is not approved by Parenting Magazine. I checked, not approved. Look at this next one. I think that's. I think he's going to regret that one day. I think his dad gave in and let him choose his tattoo too early. Look at this next one. I'm not even sure what aisle that, you know, is that like the frozen food aisle or where do you. Get one of those, but apparently you can buy kids at the grocery store now. Uh, Not clear what the kid did, but surely it was pretty drastic because he's getting the trunk treatment. That's pretty bad. Uh, Let's look at this one. Oh, yeah. Is mom trying to escape or what? I'm not clear on what's, what's happening in that one. I don't really need to say anything about this next one. Bad idea. But if you think that's bad, look at this. (laughs) France. All right. And to be honest, um, I I just need to come clean and uh, just, just let you see a little snippet into how we roll at the Rutledge Household, so take a look at this video real quick. Why did you put it on again? (laughs) You didn't like it when it happened last week. Why do you not going to do it again? (laughs) Huh? (laughs) Is this the last time? (laughs) (laughs) So, just before you judge, (laughs) <laughs> just hang on before you judge. I, you know, we watch America's Funniest Videos, and I'm like, I'm like, seriously, who tapes their kids? Well, apparently we do. But um, that was like the 50th, that, that that's like a repeated thing that had been happening, and so we felt like at some point you've got to capture that. Uh, it's, it's funny, though, I'll just tell you this, I, I show you that to let you know we don't have it all sorted out. The other, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, one of our kids was uh, having a particularly not awesome moment. And... Uh, He's screaming, and Susie and I were in another room, trying to just kind of let him come out of his thing. And he's like, I can't even think straight. What's two plus two? Eight. See? Mom. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we laughed as well, so maybe that wasn't the right response, but that's what hit us in the moment. <laughs> and I, want, I tell you that because I just want to share with you, honestly, when it comes to teaching on parenting, as soon as I found out, I'm like, oh, man, seriously? <sighs> Because I feel like I'm either the perfect person or the completely wrong person to teach on it. Because we don't have it all sorted out. And maybe, maybe I feel that, I, that I'm the right person, and the reason I feel like I'm the right person, I heard a pastor say this, that the reason he feels qualified to be in ministry is not because he's got it all together, but because he understands how jacked up he is. And that's how I feel a lot of the time when it comes to parenting. Again, I could talk about all the great stuff but we're looking at some of the impossibilities of parenting today. And you may look around, you see other families, you see other people, and you're like, how come their family's so perfect? They got everything together. And man, why can't we be like that family? And, and you know, first of all, I, I don't know why that is, <laughs> but uh, I think they're lying. And it, just so you know, if you, are, just, if you are the perfect family, I would save yourself another 20 minutes and just leave, because I have nothing valuable to say to you, okay? <laughs> I'm just going to ruin it for you, so you can just head out, get some coffee, hang out in the lobby. Here's what I want to do. I want to talk about three things today about parenting. Just three points and just a few little thoughts around each of those points when it comes to parenting. And the first thing I want to say is this, that the Bible is clear in telling us that parenting is a blessing, okay? And there are different, different, again, this is one of the struggles I had in preparing this message that I know we all come from different backgrounds. And you may be that family that's like, yep, it's a blessing. Well, that family's perfect. Everything's great. That's great. Okay, I'm glad, happy for you. Um, just so you know, the rest of people sitting here hate you a lot, okay? <laughs> if that's you. The second thing is, though, um, may, maybe you are married and you have not been able to have kids. You may be coming from a background like that, and I just want you to understand that when I say having children is a blessing, I want you to understand I'm not saying that you're cursed as a result, and it's not the only blessing that's offered to people, but what I want us to understand is that children are a blessing, okay? So I want to be clear on that. And the third thing is for the rest of us who struggle through some of the tough stuff of parenting. We have issues we deal with, and at times, I have to be honest, parenting doesn't feel like such a blessing. Can anyone relate to that? Anyone ever feel like, man, this does not feel like a blessing? I want to look at just a couple verses really quickly. We find our first one in Deuteronomy chapter 7. It says this, You will be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor will any of your livestock be without young Psalm 127 says, Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from Him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I read those verses because I want you, again, to understand that if you have children, it is a blessing you have been given by God. Okay? And... and, I think that too often we can get stuck into a mindset of children being second-class citizens and being inconvenient in our life and keeping us from doing things that we want to do. But the reality is God has chosen to bless us. And I'll just tell you this, no matter what scenario it is that you have children, adopted, biological, uh, maybe you had children before, you know, you weren't expecting to have children, maybe maybe before you were even married and and it was, I just want you to understand something. Whatever the case is, if you have children, there were no mistakes and no accidents. God has chosen to bless you with children. And that's just the baseline. That's the first thing. And I'll just tell you this, too. No matter what, you know, if you're an empty nester or if you don't have kids, if you're single, if you do have kids, you can partake in the blessing of families. I'll just tell you this, uh, You, Steve Andrews is the pastor at Kensington Community Church out in Troy, uh, Michigan, and we, a lot of us moved out here to start K2 from that church. And I was talking to him one time when we still lived out there, and he was saying, Mike, you know, I have people who come and visit me, you know, these important people from all around the country and all around the world, and they'll talk to me, and they'll share all these important godly things, and, and um, as they're sharing stuff, uh, one, t- one time I was my kids were talking, and, I, and, and we were all in the room. My kids were talking to him, and as soon as my kids finished, he's like, okay, Steve, and just kind of shifted gears and just boom. Couldn't, didn't really have time for that. And he said, Mike, I got to tell you something. A guy who doesn't have time for my kids, I don't have time for. And I, wanna, I want you to understand that you can partake in the blessing of a family. And if you want to bless me, I'll just tell you this. If you want to bless me and my wife, bless my children. I can think of people in my life, specifically, I have Mike White, a friend of mine, who came over, spent countless hours, just no charge, just tutoring my, my son in math. Katie Smith, who calls up and she says, hey, Natalie, let's, let's go, you know, let's go get some coffee and hang out a little bit, and kind of being that person who's further down the road, an adult who's living out a godly lifestyle. You want to know what a blessing is? To a parent, It's that. And I could go down the list, but I'd lose all my time in speaking, naming all the people who have poured into my kids and blessed myself and my wife. Don't miss that opportunity. The second thing, though, is with blessing comes responsibility. The Bible says, he who has been given much, much is required or expected. And that's called stewardship. So understanding that our children were given to us as a blessing, we now have the responsibility. And just a few things about what that responsibility looks like. The first thing is that we're called to teach our children. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. It's really interesting that when you talk about teaching, you think of that traditional model, right? You probably thought about how I can tell you what to do when you do these right things. But what I want you to hear is a quote that you've probably heard many times. Children learn more from what you are than what you teach with your mouth. Another way of saying it is be the change you want to see. You ever have those moments where you're like, why don't you stop yelling? You're always yelling gotta be a solution to this somehow, right? See, and and in that opening song, for better or worse, on a regular basis, you see behaviors that are in your life that are the result of your parents. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. And I just think one of the things I just want, I I just, my, my wife is just like, Mike, just make sure you remind people, even your parents were just people like you who struggled. I mean, you, you have to get a marriage certificate to get married to have kids. You just have kids. There's no training required, right? So just understanding that. The second thing, not only, not only do you, are we, oh, and I want to say this. Here's the thing. That verse about teaching your children, it does, it, it, listen to the language. You shall teach them, teach diligently when you sit in your house. When you walk, by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise, what is he saying? He's saying exactly that: be the change you want to see. When you're walking around, when you're talking with your kids, when you're hanging around the dinner table, when you're talking, be what you'd like to see your kids, because that's really what's gonna impact their life. Who you are is who they will become. That's teaching. Second thing, not only do are we called to teach our kids, we're called to guide our children. Proverbs 22, 6, it's a popular verse, and it says this, direct your children out of the right path, and when they're older, they won't leave it. Now, I just want to say something about Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a great book. It is not a book of promises. It's a book of wise sayings okay so it's not saying if you do this then absolutely 100 the percent time this will happen it's a book that says here's some wise advice you should really pay attention to this and if you do these things you're really increasing the odds of these these uh, results it says if you train your children or you put them on the right path guide them then when they're older they'll be able to make the choices what does that mean well let me just explain something I think that it's referred to as the illusion of control Have you ever heard that we believe we're in control of our kids <laughs> let me ask you, were your parents in control of you? Right. Could, you, could they keep you from making decisions you really wanted? No. You, no. At the end of the day, our job isn't to make decisions for our kids or control the decisions the kids make, but to help them learn how to make good decisions, show them what are good decisions, and then let them live by the consequences of their choices, for better and worse. At some point, if you're teaching your kid to ride a bike and you're holding on the seat, you've got to let go. Because as long as you're holding on to the seat, they're not riding the bike on their own. And the same is true with parenting. We've got to guide them, not control them. Because they don't learn how to make good choices that way. Uh, the, the third thing about the responsibility that comes with parenting is that we've got to encourage our children. I'll tell, you, just, I'll tell you one thing that um, when I was playing, uh, I think it was sixth grade, I, I played basketball. That's when I really started playing basketball on a on school team. And uh, I remember we had this game, and it went into overtime. It was a really fun game. And I don't even remember if we won or lost. Um, but I remember after, after the game, my dad came up to me, and he said, Michael, and he, he's a hockey player, so he had no clue about basketball. And he says, Michael? That's how he talks. Michael? I just want you to know, I watched the game, and when you moved the ball from one hand to the other, that was something. I remember that to this day. And I went on to play through high school, through college. I played two years in Germany, and then I went on to the pros for four years, too. That's not true. Anyway, (laughs) that would have been a great story, though, wouldn't it? I did, I played through college, but anyway, the point is, I was talking to Jack Wilson who's a a psychologist, a sports psychologist, and he says this, he says, you know what the most effective thing you can say to your kids when it comes to coaching and encouragement when they're done? I really enjoyed watching you play today. Best benefit long-term effect you can have is by saying, I really enjoyed watching you play. Encourage your kids. There's an interesting verse, you find it in Colossians chapter 3, in a parallel verse in Ephesians chapter 4, and it says this, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Don't correct them all the time. Don't, and the word embitter is kind of interesting. The, the uh, Ephesians passage says, Don't provoke to anger by the way you treat them. Discourage them. The Greek word there, stir to anger, it's the same word that's used sometimes to agitate stuff so that it all gets mixed together. You ever find yourself parenting your kids like that? If you're honest, you say yes. Sometimes. And examples of that, sarcasm, taunting, teasing. And I have to struggle with this because I can be a pretty sarcastic person. And you know what the problem with sarcasm is? It's 75% humor. 25% truth. And so you have to be careful the question. You have to ask yourself, was that joke worth it or not? I struggle with that. I'm just being honest with you here. The last thing is discipline your children. And this is really interesting. You've heard this verse. I'm I'm certain too. It's in Proverbs chapter 13. And it says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now, this is not a pro-spank verse or anything like that. When we talk about discipline, it's about the practice of bringing discipline into the lives of your kids. Now, that plays out about 100 different ways, right? 100 different ways, 100 times a day. But I want to look at something that I think is pretty significant because generally we'll have a tendency to be really good at the encouraging and the guiding and the caring but maybe not so great at the discipline or great at the discipline and not so good at the encouraging. And I think that what God is calling us to do is be good at all of it. And in a serious way, I want to show you something, I want to read a passage in, in Genesis CHAPTER 4, BUT BEFORE I DO, I, I THINK THAT THIS IS A GREAT EXAMPLE OF THIS NEXT PASSAGE THAT I WANT TO TALK ABOUT. BUMMER OF A BIRTHMARK, HAL. <laughs> HERE'S WHAT I WANT US TO UNDERSTAND. GENESIS CHAPTER 4, THE STORY I'M GOING TO READ FROM, is, right, TAKES PLACE RIGHT AFTER uh, Cain has killed his brother Abel. All right? We're four chapters into the Bible. We've already got a murder. Two generations in, we got, some stru- we got some family junk going on. And what happened is, Abel gave a sacrifice that was more pleasing to God, it says. Now, I'm not going to go into all of the details on that. That's a whole different message. But what happened is Cain became jealous to the point that he said, I'm, this guy I'm done with done with him he kills him and God comes to him and talks to him and this is what he says what have you done your brother's b- blood cries out to me from the ground so now you are cursed alienated from the ground that opened its mouth to receive your bro- your brother's blood you shed if you work the ground it will never again give you its yield you'll be restless wanderer on the earth but Cain answered, The Lord, my punishment is too great. Do you ever hear that from your kids? My punishment is too great. Since you are banishing me today from the soil, I must hide myself from your presence and become a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord replied to him, In that case, whoever kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. And he placed the mark on Cain so that whoever found him would not kill him. Then Cain went out, uh, Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I want to just point out a couple things. First of all, he, he says the punishment is too great. He, he does something wrong, and God comes in and says, okay, here's, here's, here's how it's going to roll out. And then Cain's response is, no, don't send me away. Why? Because people are going to see me, and they're going to kill me. I want you to understand what he's thinking is, you see, people act like I'm thinking. When they get jealous, they're going to kill me, just like I did. And God, in his graciousness, is trying to help Cain understand, no, that's not natural. I'm trying to help you understand your thinking process is wrong. That's what we do as parents. Help our kids understand that what they're thinking is right isn't always right. And then he says, I'm going to send you out. You've got to go on your own. Whoever's they're going to kill me. And, and then he says this, I'm going to put a mark on you. Oh, man, can you believe the marks we put on our kids as we grow? Listen, that mark that God put on Cain was a mark of protection. Because he says, whoever sees, whoever kills you, someone kills you, seven times vengeance on him. And here's what I'm going to do to make it clear. I'm putting that. Bummer of a birthmark, Hal. I'm putting that on you so that people can see you and know, don't mess, he's my kid. But we all too often feel like discipline is a negative experience. But the reality is it's the most gracious thing we can do. and I want to look at another passage here in the Old Testament. It's the story of Eli and Eli was a, Eli was a, a priest, and at the time that he was a priest, uh, Hannah was a Mother who didn't have a child. She had no children, and so she, she uh, was praying to God, and she went to the temple, and she prayed to the point where she was just weeping so bitterly, words couldn't even come out of her mouth, but her mouth was moving. And Eli sees her, and he's like, "You're drunk, ma'am. You can't. This is not cool." And she's like, not drunk. I'm broken-hearted. I want a child." And so Eli prays a blessing over Hannah, and guess what happens? She has a child, and that child is Samuel. And as part of the blessing, she says, I'm going to allow my child to be raised in the temple by you, Eli. And so Eli becomes the surrogate father of Samuel. Here's the back side of the story, though, that Eli already has two other kids, Hophni and Phinehas, bad dudes, evil, wicked. They were also priests under Eli's leadership, and they embezzled money, and they used their position to, to force people to give them things and do things that they, that they shouldn't have done. And guess what Eli did about that? Nada. He didn't do anything about it. He didn't discipline his kids. I'm going to read this passage in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And here's what happens. Let me just, one other thing. So so Samuel is in the, in the temple sleeping, and he hears a voice, and he thinks it's Eli. And so Eli gets up and runs into, to, or um, he thinks it's Eli, so Samuel gets up and runs into Eli, and he says, hey, did you call me? And he's like, no, I didn't call you. This happens a few times. He keeps coming back, and he's like, no, I didn't call you. Finally, he comes back, and Eli says, listen, I think God is trying to talk to you. And the next time you hear the voice, what you're going to say is, speak to me, God. I want to listen. I want to hear what you have to say. Sure enough, he hears the voice again. He says, okay, speak to me. And I want you to hear what he says to the child, the blessing. He says, then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming from upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God. Stop there for a second. I read something like that, and I'm like, oh, no. No. Sometimes my kids aren't so awesome. And the first time I read that, I actually got quite anxious. Like, I'm trying my best. But they don't always listen, and they don't always do the right thing. And neither do I, as a matter of fact. But I'm trying. But here's what's cool about this, and I kept, keep reading, and it says this. Because his sons are blaspheming God, and it goes on to say, and he hasn't disciplined them. So I vowed that... The sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices and offerings. See, when I first read that, I'm like, you know, you hear about sins of the father. Well, we generationally pass bad stuff on to our kids because of our behaviors. And I'm like, oh, now I get sins of the son too, right? So they pass up. No, that's not what's happening. What's happening in this passage is that Eli is refusing to do what he's supposed to do as a parent, as leader of Israel, and discipline his children. He won't do it, and he's judged for that. And Hophni and Phinehas are judged based on their wickedness and to, make this, to close out the story, the three of them separately die on the same day as a result of the judgment. When we don't discipline our children, we don't do a service to them. It's a very gracious thing we can do. The last thing I want to just share with you about responsibility is that we have an opportunity to model Christ to our children. We have the responsibility of modeling Christ to our children. And the Haitian proverb says this, the child of a tiger is a tiger. What does that mean? That means if you're a tiger, you're going to have tiger kids. Remember back to that point? The very, very initial thing. Kids learn more about, by, by what you are than what you tell them. The same thing here. Told to be imitators of Christ as beloved children. Just not to let the kids off the hook, just to get in Ephesians. It tells you kids obey and honor. I don't have time to get in all that kind of stuff. But the final point that I want to make is this. Not only is it a blessing, not only is it a responsibility, but it's an opportunity. And the first thing is this. We have the opportunity to speak life into our children. Sometimes I don't think we understand the gravity that our words hold And if you don't believe me about this, just think about the scripts that go on in your head based on negative comments maybe your parents made to you or friends or family members. Words are terribly powerful and we misuse them so regularly. Proverbs 18 says this, from the fruit of their mouth a person's stomach is filled and the harvest of their lips are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I heard that and I'm like, holy smokes, I'm killing my kids. Did you ever You think about it? If my words have the power of life and death, sometimes I'm literally killing my kids by the words that I speak into them. The way we talk becomes my child's inner voice. And the way your parents spoke to you becomes your inner voice, and so on. So the question is, are we speaking life by encouraging and guiding, or are we speaking death by our sarcasm and by embittering them? The second thing is, and this is the good news, the opportunity is that we have a chance to look to God for our hope. So quickly, in James chapter 1, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. You feel, ever feel like parenting, you're facing trials of many kinds? Well, when you face trials of many kinds, it says, You know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. And if you do lack noth- something, it says, Who do you ask? Go on and ask God, and He'll give it to you without judgment. He will give you what you need. See, here's the point of parenting. We have an opportunity not only to present ourselves or present to our kids how we want them to be, but we actually have the opportunity to receive, as a result of parenting through the trials, how God wants to make us. He wants to form us into something, and that usually happens through friction rather than just everything's fine. And that blessing is that he's brought the relationship together, and I have to parent. And God helps produce perfection, it says, and maturity. And if you just so you know, if you're wondering if you've reached perfection and maturity, when you're in those encounters with your kids, if you're acting just like your kid, you have not reached maturity, Okay. That's a good gauge right there. Here's the last thing, and I'm going to invite the band to come forward as we close out and transition into some musical worship here. It's an opportunity to speak life into our kids. It's an opportunity to put trust in God, but it's also an opportunity to receive forgiveness and healing. It says this, That if we confess our sins, you guys may know this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But I want to read another verse. This is something that hit me this week, and I'm like, holy moly. Holy moly. I bet you, you may not have ever noticed this before. It says in James 5, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, when we confess to God, we receive what? Forgiveness. And when we confess to each other, we receive healing. See how that works? And in those moments when you've gone overboard and you have the opportunity in humility to go to your kids and go, I blew it. I get a chance to heal my own soul, heal the relationship I have with my son or my daughter and have them be healed internally as well. I just have to be willing to do what God calls me to do and be humble. And I just want you to know this is a relational dynamic, not just a parenting dynamic. Maybe you and your parents need to sort something out as adults so you can get healing in that relationship. Maybe you and your kids need to sort something out so you can get healing in that relationship. God forgives you, but the healing comes when you confess to each other. going to close this morning again like I said and we're going to transition to some musical worship and before we do we're going to take our offering as well and I'm going to invite our greeters to come down again as Susie said it so well last week Susie Nelson she said this is not a business time right now this is a time of spiritual a, a, a spiritual time where we are able to give back to God from what he's given to us and just as we've received from him to say thank you God and I'm going to give back I just want to pray though close out and transition here. Lord Jesus, you love us so, so much. And being a parent gives us an opportunity to understand, even as we see our children, how you see us. Even after those really tough times when I watch my children sleeping, the love that wells inside of me and the beauty that I see in my child is the way you see me, even in my most wretched. Thank you, Jesus grace and forgiveness and for your model of other-centeredness and self-sacrificing so that I can learn to live like you so that I can conquer the impossibilities of parenting. We look to you because you're where our help is. We ask this in your name.